Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back. This is what, uh, show number three of, of season two, huh? Yep. Season two. Ike, who do we have today? Today we've got Mr. Don Frack, who has been teaching in uh, martial arts for over 25 years, doing a little bit of dog training now, just an overall amazing human being. And uh, we're going to talk, we're going to talk fighting, martial arts, uh, you know, how music has affected your life and a little bit about yourself. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us what, what got you into martial arts? So um, originally, um, I, I'd have to say my first influence is my dad. My dad had done uh, a little bit of judo when he was in high school and had some uh, martial arts books around the house. But also um, at growing up in the 70s, uh, Bruce Lee passed away in 73. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I was uh, probably about five, six years old, and you're starting to be aware of uh, figures, I'd see his, uh, his movies typically on... Um, not replay, but my dad uh, went to Cal Poly and had a student theater there and they would show Bruce Lee movies. Mm -hmm. And so I got into watching that. And uh, in the seventies, the Kung Fu TV series was on. Uh, I remember I had a Kung Fu lunch pail with oh, a nice. David Carradine <laughs> on it <laughs> and, and it had a thermos. Uh, and I was into it at that point. And my parents, um, we lived in La Puente and they just did not have the money to put me into a regular martial arts school. So I read the the book that uh, my dad had. He had two of them. And uh, I would watch Kung Fu theater on TV on Sundays. And me and a, a friend of mine, when we were in elementary school, would watch these uh, Sunday Kung Fu movies that were, they're, they're horrible. But as a kid, I loved them all, you know, yeah. just so over the top. And then we'd go out in the, living, in the living room or in his front yard and beat the snot out of each other for <laughs> an hour afterwards. And um, I really had interest for it, but it wasn't until I got into eighth grade and my dad found a free class being offered at a community college. And uh, I went to take that. That would have been in 82. And uh, I fell in love with it. Uh, my dad did it with me for a little bit. Uh, that first semester at the community college it was a, I mean, it started out as a huge group, probably 50 people um, in their gymnasium floor. It was Rio Hondo, uh, which is in Whittier. And, uh, I want to say by the end of about the first six weeks, it dwindled down to like 10 of us because it, it was billed originally as a self-defense class. And so you had all these people that signed up to learn that, but it was really just a traditional karate class, knuckle push-ups on the wood floor, holding the horse stance and doing all that kind of stuff that um, turned off a lot of people, but I, I just ate it up. And uh, so I did that uh, every week for, uh, for many months until my parents moved from where we were in La Puente over to Covina. And the commute to go out to Whittier after that was too much between the drive there and the two hour class and the drive back. So I stopped training for a while. And then um, I got a gift, not a gift certificate, but a uh, pass rather, to a martial arts school that was in Covina. There was a free week and me and a buddy went down and took class and I couldn't afford the classes. So when the guy at the end of the week told me, hey, bring your dad in tomorrow, this is the end of the week, so I can talk to him about you signing up. I said, you know, I really, I appreciate it. I don't have the money. My, my family just moved here. He said, well, bring him down. So I went home and I begged my dad, looking hindsight, um, thinking of what it meant, must have meant to my father to know we didn't have the money to do it and to, to, to see how passionate I was. But somehow I talked him into going down there and he had a conversation with the instructor and explained our financial situation. At that time, I was getting $5 a week in allowance. Mm. And um, that was all I got. I mean, if I wanted to go to the movies with my friends or go have pizza or whatever, it was at five bucks. So I told my dad I'd give up my allowance to be able to, to train. This is 1982. It was $50 a month. Um, that would be like 150 or 175 today. They were the most expensive school in town. And the instructor said, I'll take it. So for instead of 50 for the 20 bucks, I got to go there and start training and that got me going. And uh, I trained in that location until I had a falling out with one of the instructors who I was an eighth grade kid. And he said some things to me that um, just kind of made me uncomfortable to be there at the school. And so I stopped training for a while and I got into Taekwondo. Um, I did that for a bit. I got a black belt in Taekwondo. Um, and then at the school that I had been at previously, um, where I had gotten a, uh, the, the whole $20 deal, I ended up going back there because the Taekwondo school shut down. And I talked with the, the, uh, the owner, the guy who I had previously been training with was no longer there. So I started training there again and became an instructor at that time. This would have been about 85 and I've been teaching ever since. So you were an instructor while you were in high school. Still. Yeah. Yeah. When I, um, when I was in, uh, in 
I want to say sophomore year, junior year, I started yeah. teaching. It, it's funny because you mentioned the 70s and, you know, growing up in the 70s, like, you know, in the 50s, kids played cops and robbers or cowboys and Indians. But the TV shows that you and I both had always ended in fistfights, whether it was the Green Hornet, mm -hmm. Batman, Mannix. You know what I mean? Like that was something that was always on these TV shows. So we all went out and we all, you know, there's before Ridland and that, like your parents said, go outside and, <laughs> and do your shit, right? Yeah, exactly. So you yeah. do that. You started with fake fighting and then you would start real fighting. So that's what kind of took you to want to do this, like seeing that kind of stuff and saying. I, I got bullied a lot when I lived in La Puente. I was uh, um, harassed quite a bit. And I was always looking, like when I looked at Bruce Lee, you know, watching his movies as a kid, here was this little guy. I mean, Bruce Lee was like five, five. He's a little dude, 135 yeah. pounds. He could do these amazing things. And so I think for me, martial arts was an avenue for me to, to, to feel confident in myself, mm -hmm. um, to handle it. And then once I got into training, I also, I liked working with other people. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, back when I was doing Taekwondo, um, I rolled out carpet in the back of my parents' complex and I would practice and little kids in the, in the area, I'm in high school, they wanted to learn. So, uh, I'd let him, I'd do a little class, you know, and I yeah. was probably, I don't know, I was 14 at the time. I was a green belt and I started there and I loved it. So when I started um, training, I got my black belt and I got the opportunity to help. That became the next thing. I yeah. enjoyed the, I enjoyed the doing, but I really enjoyed the teaching. And also you got to think this is the early eighties. So in 84 karate kid came out, there was an explosion of kids uh, coming into martial arts schools because everybody wanted their Miyagi for their kid to come in and for not, sure. not all instructors were ready to handle that. Yeah because you had a lot of old school instructors that had kids came in and you typically had the schools that were either kind of rough for a kid environment or they went the opposite direction, which is they became kind of a playground. Um, and so they were just trying to enter because the money was there for it. Yeah. And I would say I kind of had a knack for working with kids. The instructor that I was training with could see that and gave me the job because um, he wasn't great with little kids. I was, and that's kind of where I took off. And that's even to this day, I love working with adults. Don't get me wrong, but kids have been my specialty for the past probably 35 years now. Did you look at the, like when, when Karate Kid came out, like, cause you had already been in it. And mm -hmm. Were you like all oh, these fucking posers? Yeah, you know I mean? so, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of things. If you're, you know, if you, if you're not a martial artist, you can look at that movie and yeah. you know, it's, it's, you just need to sit back and enjoy it. But the likelihood that Daniel wins that tournament's about zero. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> that's the way I am with like movies about football or even music, like Purple Rain. I hate that movie. Cause they all knew how to play the song at the end. It's like, it's not realistic. Yeah. yeah. So it must be the same for you. It, yeah with that yeah there's there's a lot of movies that are that way that you just try to sit back and enjoy because it's not really i mean it's not what would be an accurate depiction there's so many movies that that are classic ones uh jean-claude van damme's in the movie kickboxer he knows oh, nothing yeah. about kickboxing and he fights yeah. this guy who's a you know big champion yeah. and he ends up beating him but right. um you know you just got to enjoy the process because there's there's movies that i feel depict martial arts in a fantasy way and then in mm -hmm. and, 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 and there's movies like the raid that depict it yeah. very like practical yeah it's yeah. very uh you know that that's 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 the whole action genre and then you have something like a warrior which was done um i think as close as you're going to get to like a rocky style movie with martial arts in it and if yeah. you hadn't seen it, that's it's a great movie i thought it was well done yeah um so they're finally starting to come out with movies that have a great story going on in martial arts and secondary as whereas you know a lot of action flicks that's the main part in the story it's just you know it it's it's to get you to the fight there was that one movie that came out around the 84 olympics uh jim cotta uh remember that <laughs> I, re I saw it i saw it in the like theater. is that real <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like I could beat you if there's parallel bars here. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of cheesy. The 80s was also a, a time period. 80s is an amazing time because you get, you know, the the action film genre of uh, uh, ninjas comes out. I mm -hmm. mean, that was an explosion of it. I had one whole wall of my room was all martial art posters and a lot of ninja stuff that was out there. Yeah. But, um, you know, the 80s and then, you know, we we're talking about music earlier. Um, I mean, the 80s is probably, I feel, one of the best uh, decades as far as for the growth of music. Mm. You know, my first exposure to music in my home when I was a kid, my parents were 60s kids. Yeah. And so we had the Doors and Beatles and music like that, um, which are influential. As a matter of fact, to this day, I'm, I'm 53. And to this day, when I hear Beatles music, it makes me think about my childhood because my parents played it. Um, we were in a low com income area. But the one thing my dad was um, definitely strong about was us having quality uh, music equipment. 
So my dad, we had, we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a good turntable, um, a good receiver, um, uh, a, a dual uh, tape deck and speakers. And that's what my parents, that was the kind of luxury thing in our house. And uh, my, my dad was, uh, was definitely careful with the things that we had taught me how to take care of because at LPs, you know, now we're listening to music digitally, you're not touching it. But at that time, right. you know, LPs are the dominant form of passing on music. It's very easy to break the records and scratch them. So my dad made sure I learned how to handle them. So as a small child, I was never allowed to put my fingers on the album, how to mm -hmm. hold it. And he would actually, if it was an important album, that my dad would make a, uh, a tape recording of it and then put the album away. Oh, so amazing. we would listen to the, to the tape deck. So my parents were into a, a fairly broad genre of music too. We had, um, you had your, your Beatles, Doors, um, Neil Diamond. My, my parents are both uh, Neil Diamond fans. So I was listening to that. Um, there's a singer songwriter, a guy named Harry Chapman. Mm -hmm. You might be familiar with Cats in the Cradle. So mm -hmm. I heard his storytelling style. Yeah. Um, which again, I enjoyed thoroughly. And that was the music initially I grew up with. It was my parents. And then this magical event happened. It was October, probably got to be October 76 or so around there. The Halloween special. Yes. The Halloween <laughs> special. Knew, yeah. He knew. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. was, I was ready. My, it was the, the Halloween special for Hal Lynn. I think that's his name Paul was Lynn. Paul Lynn. Yeah. And they were going to have musical guests coming on and I'm watching this show and it's kind of cheesy corny, but as a little kid, you enjoy it. And on, they brought on their, their musical guests and it was kiss. Yep. And I was just like jaw drop open. They were, they were playing Detroit rock city. If I remember correctly, that's mm -hmm. the opening to it. Um, and they were just fire and makeup and, um, I've watched it since. As a matter of fact, I watched it about a year or so ago and the lip sync is bad on it. But at yeah. the time as a kid, you're just looking at it. <laughs> it and it's, it's a whole experience. It's funny because right? they lip sync. And I remember watching that and being so bummed that they lip sync. Because yeah. I'd already seen them live twice by then. Mm. Um, but they look like superheroes. Yes. That. They look yep. so good, man. And it's just, it's just for, for original Kiss fans, there, there's different places where everyone jumped on the train, right? Mm -hmm. There's at the beginning. I was lucky enough. I had older brothers and older cousins who were in Detroit, so they knew. So I was into Kiss from the very, very beginning. And then the next jump, and then Alive is the next jump point, mm -hmm. right? And then it's that Paul Lynn special. Yeah. Then you have Kiss Alive 2. And then finally, the late people got in around Dynasty. And then it's yeah. all over. But yeah, that Paul Lynn special man, Ron Holloway, and Pinky Tuscadero was on there as well. And yeah, at that time, yeah. Witchy Poo, who <laughs> was the was on there, from yeah. uh, from what is the uh, HR, HR Puff and stuff? stuff. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It was right? it's a really bad special, but kids look they just look like magic. Yeah, in that they man. did. Uh, uh, Peter Chris did Beth, mm -hmm. um, and it was uh, that's really what got me started. I think I was second grade, and so here I am when we have art time at school, and I'm drawing these like the figures because they had all the paint yeah. you know a lot of a lot of the adults didn't know who that was and they're like what the heck are you drawing you know <laughs> yeah. it's what i was into and i i would say that i was always at least uh, moderately interested in real music as a kid whereas a lot of kids i feel um that's not so much for them they're not into it and now the music around kids is very kid-ish if I, I don't know if that's not the right way to phrase it but it's not mature music i listen no. to a lot of mature music as a child mm -hmm. yeah i mean music was even kiss at that time i mean obviously they went to become a, a kid's band but at, at that time they were still uh, you know competing with like the humble pies and that of the mm -hmm. world mm -hmm. so you got into you know you watched the the, the kung fu movies and all that and got into martial arts did you ever play an instrument after seeing kiss or no, air guitar. <laughs> Are you good at it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a mean air guitar. You know, d during the time in the 80s, once I uh, got into high school, I mean, if I thought, if I had even had just a little inkling of the thought that I might be able to sing, because I didn't want, I didn't want to play the instruments. I wanted to be the front guy if I was going to be it. I just didn't yeah. have that feeling, didn't think I could sing. I might not be here today. I might have been doing something else. Yeah, right. I, would, I was always like, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, nobody would guess it today, but the older pictures of you with your yeah. lo luscious locks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you wouldn't know it today some, yeah yeah i had hair down to my waist until i was about 35 oh nice yeah kept it. long different from now yeah <laughs> so like for me it's like when you're young it's like you know kiss is what you want to do like and then cheap trick for me was how i wanted to mm, do it yep and then the runaways too. told me i could do it you know mm, what i mean yeah. yeah and i never did it <laughs> yeah. no, so did, did you catch did you catch the uh you must have seen the uh, what's the tv kiss meets the phantom i did that was the biggest and i'm only look, at that time I'm, I'm in fifth grade it's the biggest disappointment i've had I, i'm going to tell you my major disappointments in music history right <laughs> as a youth 
Kiss Me Stefan was one. It was mm. so cheesy. Even then I knew it was cheesy. Again, they looked magnificent. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just wanted a concert movie. Um, then hearing I was made for loving you for the first time by Kiss. That mm. was a huge disappointment. You like disco? <laughs> yeah, now it's my ringtone. But And then, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, when I heard Jump by Van Halen the first time, I was about to commit Harry Carey. Like, like those moments in my life really, really killed a lot of things for me. I like that I martial arts tie-in right there. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah, yeah Japanese culture. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was, it's just very bizarre. I mean, did you did you go see shows back then? Or? So interestingly enough, in the uh, in the '80s, I went to very few concerts. Um, mm. Especially, I didn't get to see Kiss until I was in my late 20s. Mm. I went and saw they they had a reunion tour came yeah. back. I got Which to see them. Didn't you you work at a Ticketmaster or was that no my I had others? a I had a uh, girlfriend yeah. that worked at uh, at Ticketmaster again this should have been in the early nineties when, when that's when I started going more often in the eighties I went and saw Sammy Hagar mm -hmm. when he was uh, doing the tour for uh, what's one the song is Red oh, yeah. that he was there whatever whatever tour that was on and the opening band was a band called Quarter Flash. Oh, nice. Hard in my uh, heart. Hard in my heart. That yeah. was their big one. And so I saw them. I got to see the Moody Blues. Um, my dad was a big Moody Blues fan. Um, so I only saw in the 80s in high school a few like concert venues. It wasn't until yeah. I got into my 20s and started going more regularly. Now, I did go to, now this is back again, right around the time I started martial arts. And this has been about 82. Yeah. Um, my aunt got into this band that she wanted to see really, really bad. And we were going to go to Magic Mountain to see this group. And she was just ecstatic about who they were. And uh, and I was into Kiss, hard rock stuff. She said, I think I like, like this. And we showed up. And it was the beginning of like metalheads everywhere. Long hair, girls in tight skirts. It was just the whole vibe going on at the time. We're at Magic Mountain. We go into their amphitheater and the, the lights go out. And when they come back on, they drop the curtain. It was Motley Crue. Oh, it was Motley Crue playing at Magic Mountain before they ever blew up. You know, they weren't ma really big mainstream yet. And the the similarities to Kiss, they definitely had an influence of that vibe because yeah. the makeup and you look at their costumes. Nikki Six at that time was doing the whole light his boots on fire. And uh, <laughs> man, I was hooked. I was hooked. And and so that was the start or in the early 80s because all the hair metal bands that came along. You know, that's why I say the 80s, I think, is a, was a great time musically because she had so much growth that happened. So you had all the different metal. You had hair metal, which, yes, I liked. But then you had like Priest and uh, Metallica. Metallica started up at that time. Yeah. I remember hearing them here in uh, California, in Southern California, we had KNC was a radio station at that time that played oh, yeah. metal. And uh, uh, they, were, they were being broadcast on that. So the 80s was a great time for, for music. Rap came up that time. I was not originally. A friend of mine was from New York. And uh, he brought out a mixtape he had. And he said, hey, you know, this is the stuff we're listening to out there. And it was early Run DMC. Oh, nice. And uh, and he kind of got me into that. And uh, and then when Run DMC got popular and then uh, Aerosmith had the crossover, he had that kind of rock and rap crossover. And then Public Enemy did their thing. And so I the the... The mashup at that time in the 80s, I, I really appreciate a lot of it. There's some stuff that needs to go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it all holds up that well. Yeah. But it's a little bit different because in the 70s, like things were little, like I would go see any show I could. Mm. Like my first show ever was Sonny and Cher because my, gotcha. my parents would take me to see Kiss and I'd go to their shows because I just wanted to be in an arena and see. I just love music so much. It mm. started with me. These guys know when the first album I really remember was Elvis recorded live at Madison square garden. Mm, and yeah. that album just to this, this day is so powerful. And actually the drummer Ronnie Tut passed away on Sunday. Oh no. Um, so from then on, like live albums were my thing and being growing up in the seventies, you had obviously the kiss live album. Mm -hmm. I had both of them and double live Gonza by new. I mean, just every live album is just phenomenal. You know what I mean? Um, but you would, you could go see queen and then the next weekend you'd go see Blondie. You know what I mean? Or I would go with my parents to see I saw Elvis or whatever. You know what I mean? Different years, but like in the eighties, everyone started getting their little clicks. Mm -hmm. You know, you were metal that until you got to that point that you just mentioned around eighty six, where hip hop comes in, Aerosmith's doing their thing, Anthrax does "I'm the Man." Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it starts to spread out a little bit more, and which is great because then you know people have more influences, and you just go see more things. Live music is still the greatest thing outside of sex in the world to me. And, and college football. <laughs> <laughs> so all this time you're seeing these shows, you have really long hair. Like, how does the martial arts tie into that? So um, for me, the uh, 
you know, the, the look at the time, you know, I had, I had long kind of fairly curly hair. Um, think, uh, think eighties Bon Jovi, but longer. That's kind of how, that's how my hair was there at that time. Um, Did you use a lot of product. What's that? Did you use a lot of product in your hair? Actually, um, Early on, I did uh, because I used to blow dry it straight. So like a whole can of Aquanet. Wow. <laughs> and, and by the time I hit my senior year, then it had grown out enough. I just let the kind of curly let go. I was trying to blow dry it straight. And so yeah. that was its own thing. But, um, you know, I, I would have to say that uh, uh, as far as martial arts, long hair, I wore it down for a very long time training and then when i started teaching after i got out of high school teaching more regularly as an adult i would wear it back yeah and um i was always working to overcome the image of what people would see yeah because here i am teaching and again I'm, I, I, like i mentioned before i like working with adults but i was working really my specialty with kids so they come in and see this long hair rocker looking guy and so there's on the surface of what that person looks like but if they could get past that, which sometimes was an obstacle, um, and see that the real me was, as an instructor, what I could do for them and their kids. And that usually that usually got past. Once they could see me teaching and once they could see how passionate I was about it, any barrier or mental picture someone had of, you know, the long hair hippie looking guy um, kind of went to the wayside. And I, and I, I, I would say that it, it was a bar barrier initially in some cases, but then after that, it was an asset. Yeah, I, I see long hair. I have, I'm always happy that I have long hair, but I hate having long hair, right? Mm. I don't wash it ever. I wash it maybe once every once or twice a week because you never see a homeless bum with it that's bald. You know what I mean? They all have long hair, so it's like, all right, these guys are, they're on to something. Yeah, right. You're washing so just, those follicles away, dude. Yeah, they, yeah, so I just tie it back. I mean, even when I sleep, I hate having long hair, but I'm glad yeah. I have it. That doesn't make any sense. But yeah. That's my, my status on that. Um, so, so going back to that, I get that where like, you're just trying to break the, break the norm or break the, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? People's thoughts of you, which, which is great. So when it comes to martial arts and this is, I, these Damien has trained, Ike has trained. I've never trained in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I've run from people with knives and I've fist fought. My That's life. the best thing. Run. Yeah. 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 I, I've learned that hard way. Um, does it really work in, in everyday life street fighting? So it depends on what you ask. Does it work? Right. That's a very loaded question. Okay. Right. This is what I'm, that's what I'm. So I would say when you watch uh, your typical karate ish stuff, and this is going to probably offend some people, majority of that goes right out the window the moment the real fight starts. Yeah. Um, so does it work? Do martial arts work? Absolutely. Right. It depends on context. That's super important. Um, I teach a freestyle. I've been next year's 40 years. I've been doing martial arts. And so I teach a blend, a mix of those years of experiences. I've got black belt in karate, a black belt in taekwondo, a black belt in American freestyle. And I've ton, done tons of workshops and seminars with instructors and taken pieces for what I do. This is my, my particular mix. I don't have anything against um, a particular style, but there are some, that, some situations that are better suited. Like I really believe... Um, that it, regardless of the style that you take, if you're doing a striking art, for example, if you're a kickboxer or a karate practitioner, taekwondo practitioner, if you don't include some grappling, um, you're really missing the mark because you are, you are not empowering the students that if the fight goes to the ground. So I was, uh, an early, early advocate of making sure to include grappling into our curriculum in the nineties. When the UFC first came out, I wasn't that into it, but I started working with our people and our curriculum's light on that. I mean, light to the point where um, I would say that the students have maybe a blue belt knowledge in jujitsu of what they're doing. We're not a jujitsu school, but I make sure they knew the fundamentals. And so you look at a karate class and they, they make the moves look beautiful when they're doing it. But if yeah. any of that happens one for real, or if it goes to the ground, they have no idea what to do. So any place it's not incorporating that. And that's where I say, does it work? I would say that's, that's, that's a, a kind of a loaded question because yeah. it depends on what you're doing. They don't show the grappling in movies because it's not exciting. Well, it depends. Now, more <laughs> movies are, are starting to implement that. There's okay. a lot of action flicks. There's a guy named Donnie Yen. I don't know if you know who he is, action guy. And he's incorporating a lot more jiu-jitsu and stuff. If you look at the John Wick movies, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more throwing. A lot of judo. He, he trained with Machado brothers. They're cousins to the Gracies. And so you're starting to see what I think is more where you still have entertaining stuff, but real stuff that's getting involved. Yeah. 
Um, but that's, that's, like I said, it, it depends on what you're doing. Who, who would be the kiss of martial arts? Wow. The entertainers, uh, man, I, I would have to think, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of enter entertaining martial artists out there. There's a guy named Tony Jaw, um, oh, yeah. who I really feel we, you know, as the U S kind of missed the mark with him because when he was doing at his best, he's getting a little bit older now. He's been in uh, several movies. The Ong Bak is the, which is I think uh, titled Thai warrior in English and the protector. He's a very entertaining guy to watch. Um, and, uh, the guys from the raid movies, oh, yeah, uh, the team absolutely. that's, I think it's 8711 might've been the group that did, um, the John Wick movies, I think they were, might've been involved with him too, but those are far as entertaining goes, you know, if you want to watch people who are entertaining at it, but as, as far as the real guys that have to go out there and do it, it's real fighting's not pretty to the average person. It yeah. really isn't. When you look at it, it's, it's rough, it's scary, it's dangerous. Um, there are people that watch like even ultimate fighting, which is like our sport to watch to get together. Right. You know, some people look at that and it's not always as beautifully choreographed, et cetera. But if you're a martial artist and watch people pull that stuff off, just a little bit of understanding how difficult it was, then that that can be entertaining. I love that that I used Kiss as a reference and you went straight to entertainer and not musician. Mm. I, I like that. <laughs> so, Ike, have yeah. you guys sparred? We have. Um, I actually <laughs> had to spar with him on my black belt test, and that was like the longest minute of my life. Um, <laughs> um, That's what your wife yeah. says. <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, we've uh, yeah, we've sparred a little bit. I, I always tell people the experience of when we went hard together. Um, like you know when your mom <laughs> raising again. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, let me clean it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys <laughs> ever had this. Your mom. You know when your mom. <laughs> Have you ever had this experience where your mom comes in, she flips the light switch on and off in your room to try and wake you up? Oh, yeah. My mom used to do that all the time. So when Mr. Frack would connect with any punch clean on my head, it was like that was happening. Like the light <laughs> switch was off and then back on. Man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait, 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 wait a second. We're the same age. Why are you calling him Mr. and you just call me straight up Tim? <laughs> oh, because he's my instructor. So I'm if, <laughs> I, I can call you. Uh, you want to be no, no, Mr. No. Mr. Tim? Mr. Yeah, Mr. Trail, yeah. Tim, yeah. There's no Mr. Trail. That legend is. Yeah, Mr. Tim. <laughs> but I do want to say, like, when we were talking about the whole does it work, I remember walking into your school for the first time and having only done Taekwondo when I was younger, um, like young, young, like seven to to 12 years old, you know, um, what really got me at that school was that everything that you were teaching was so practical. Like it didn't feel like this, like cool, like, yeah, I love all like the spin kicks, the crescent kicks and all that cool flashy stuff, but everything we were learning, I was like, wow, this is stuff that you can actually really use. And then the thing that was even more important to that than me was you as a person, as a teacher, that's really what kept me. So you could tell that you are meant to be teaching people. And I know that you're even developing that further in your life. Now you're also doing even dog training, which is mm. something new for you. Mm -hmm. Right. But it, it still kind of like relates to everything else that you've been doing in your life, helping people, teaching people. And I mean, how, how's that going with, with the whole dog training? So I got into, I got originally into the dog training bit because I got a Japanese Akita. Um, and, uh, they're beautiful dogs. Um, they're, they're very aloof. Um, I happen to get one that out as dogs hit, um, about six, nine months old around there, they get to where they hit puberty. When he hit it, I started having severe behavioral problems with him. He, over the course of the first year, year and a half I had him, he probably attacked me about 12 times. Um, and I probably should have gone to the hospital three out of those where he opened me up, uh, bit me. We had a couple of bad fights. And um, I went through a whole bunch of different situations trying to work with him. I, I actually got into a physical altercation with him on more than one occasion. And um, he was just a handful to deal with. And I ended up going, I tried some trainers and that wasn't working out. And I started going to dog training workshops where they would train dog trainers how to work with dogs. And um, that helped because I was getting the hands-on stuff. And I met a couple of guys out in LA, um, uh, uh, Sean O'Shea and Jeff Gelman, their dog trainers. And the dogs they worked with made my dog seem like an angel. The, they were working with dogs who were literally at death's door where they were, they were either need to help get fixed or they're going to have to euthanize them. And so, um, you know, I, I started doing that really to help myself. 
And that was uh, around 2013 or so, 14. And uh, and then just, the, I still have him to this day. This dog's 10 years old now. I still have got him. And during COVID, um, the martial arts business for me dropped significantly. At one point, we were only online. I was teaching classes virtually. And I had a dedicated group. But we lost about half the population of our school. And I needed a way to make extra income. I put up a video of me working with my dog. Um, many people don't know how bad he was with me. They look at him and think he's a sweet angel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I put up that video on my on my Instagram and I started getting one or two people here or there. And it turned into a whole side business that literally saved, um, helped me save my school, um, gave me a side income to bring home during COVID. And I, you know, it helped me make a living. And now mm -hmm. that things are coming out of that and school is doing better, I still love doing the work because I love working with people and dogs and mm -hmm. Dog training and kid training is more similar than you might think of, mm. um, but it is something that I definitely become passionate about and enjoy doing as a, as a side thing. Nice. Do you have a, if you could think of a theme song for you, like when, when you're training or, or sparring, what would be your theme song? Ooh, man, it depends on the mood. Cause I, I mean, there's a couple that it could be, it depends. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's fighting, but if there's a if there's a theme song that um, that I a song I've heard in my life that I feel like when I hear it, I I feel hopeful about. Imagine John Lennon's "Imagine" mm -hmm. is one of those songs that when I hear it, it's always this like a, uh, a an idea of people being able to get along together and being yeah. good together. You well, know? I was, was going to say I could see you beat people's asses in slow mo to that. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I always use like when I walk in a room, I always my theme music in my head is always "Desert Plains" by Judas Priest. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with the lyrics, just the feel of that song. Yeah. So, so when I'm working out or training, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of different stuff I like. Yeah. You, know? you have like a mixtape that you use specifically. Um, I have I have a couple of playlists that I'll make, and it has all kinds of stuff on it. My, yeah. my musically, I kind of expanded. You know, as I got to be an adult into my 20s and 30s. Um, I really started to try to take in other forms because during the eighties, when I was in high school, it was like metal and that was mm -hmm. all, you know, as a matter of fact, Michael Jackson was huge at that time. And I was almost anti Michael Jackson. <laughs> I couldn't stand him. But as an adult now, and I listen to his music, you know, I thoroughly enjoy a lot of his stuff. I like some of the stuff that was less popular that he did that wasn't on the radio, but him, or you were mentioning purple rain, I think earlier mm -hmm. Prince, Prince. I, at that time, I liked that. And there's, a, there are some, there are definitely some forms of music, even a little bit of country that I like now that that I didn't like when um, when I was in the 80s at that time at school. So I'm much broader now. And but as far as playlist goes, it's almost all rock and metal for sure. It's funny because like when we grew up, like there, there are still bands that I'll listen to now that I get a little cringe inside because I can't believe I'm listening to this because I kind of <laughs> grew into it. Stuff that I wouldn't have back then, Journey and stuff like yeah. that. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, I saw them a bunch back then. I mean, I'll never listen to Sticks at all. <laughs> like there's not one song where someone's gonna be like you gotta hear this shit right? all right like, that's a place forever. we clash in the uh i, was, I think it was fifth, fifth grade and uh, i Ooh. went to i did actually saw sticks sticks Ooh. is one of the bands i've seen live and i was into stick because my aunt was into them so i liked a lot of stick stuff uh, they had a lot of mustaches and that was just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thought, it wasn't the music it was the mustaches no, no, and blue Easter cold, the mustaches boston's another one it's like man i can't yeah. do this like yeah because you grew up with like kiss and all these bands and like even Freddie Freddie Mercury was gay. We all know he mm -hmm. was gay back then, mm -hmm. but he seemed less gay without the mustache. And I know yeah. he looked more masculine with the mustache, but right then, I'm like, oh, that guy really is gay. Because yeah. <laughs> because my dad always be like, oh, that guy's gay. I'm like, oh, that it didn't matter to me right oh, yeah. at all. But I was like, oh no, it's not. And then as soon as he had that mustache, You're like, like now the mustache seemed yeah, kind of suspicious. He could roll around in a fucking leotard like on the day at the races tour, and like, no, yeah. the man's man. Yeah. But then as soon as he goes like tank top and mustache, like. That guy's gay, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. He's a legend. Damn, say something. He's a legend, though. No, I just, I mean, to go back to, um, you know, what you were just talking about getting into dog training, I just think it's it's so interesting. And I'm, you know, thinking about how you pretty much had to pivot once, you know, COVID happened. Mm -hmm. You had to pivot to do something just to make sure that you uh, make ends meet and everything. And I just think it's crazy. Like, you, you have such a great work ethic. And I think that's something that like, you know, Ike and I know, know you very well. And, and I just respect that about you. And I just think that, you know, it's, it's kudos to you for, you know, to go online when it was, when, you know, we couldn't have martial art classes in, in person, you know, to, to figure out the technology behind, you know, making that happen. I thought that was super impressive. And then the fact that you kind of started that, you know, side business of doing the dog training is just so, um, 
it just goes to show your character and and you know well, and also you're, like you're really doing what you love you know yeah. and that you're gonna make it work no matter what's thrown at you whether it's covid or whether it's you know like well, obviously that was the residual effect of covid losing some students you know but you were so persistent and you know strong throughout this whole time and even found something that now you can offer other people dog training right as well like so yeah i'm thoroughly impressed there's so, so many layers so to yeah it, i guess what i was bringing i was bringing that up not to just obviously i mean I, I wanted to tell you that for a long time but i just think um you know what where does that come from is that from your family values or that's that that comes directly from my father i hear it all and um, everything you said i hear is yeah from your my 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 father is the most influential man in my entire there's not even a second a close second um, i'm super fortunate that See, my grandfather walked out on my grandmother and my dad when he was little. And I think that that's part of what, when my dad at 19 realized he was going to become a father. Because my, my mom originally said no, that she didn't want to get married, you know, when, when I was on the way. And, you know, my dad stayed on it. And he was like, no, I'm, my son is going to grow up with his father. Because he knew what that experience was like. Mm -hmm. So looking at all the things, as someone who's specialized in working with kids, how my dad became the kind of father he was to me always I, I, there's some magic there because he didn't have an example for that mm -hmm. you know and as a matter of fact probably because of the lack of that presence is why he was so strong in my life because he said i'm not going to have that happen to my son yeah and so um i watched my dad do those things you know to figure out my dad would work whatever jobs were necessary and he had his things he was passionate about but um you know, it, it, it comes from him. I, you know, he worked for a uh, quality control for citrus products company. He got a master's degree in biology and, and that was kind of the doorway open. His company was looking for someone to do quality assurance for a juices company, products company. And um, he brought computers in. They had no computers at the time, it was the early 80s there. And he got them to get their first computer because we had one in my house. And, you know, by the time that that company finished off and they moved, then the entire plant had computers and were modernized. My dad completely self-taught, never went to school for any of that. And when he had left um, at one point uh, the company and then they wanted to hire him back. My dad didn't like the corporate environment and, and he had kind of started to lay the groundwork for the computer stuff. And when he left, it really was a big hole for them. And so they managed something and brought back. But my dad basically created his own job at this company for their IT work, mm -hmm. you know, and he, he did all the research. It was something he was passionate about. He had an aptitude for it. And so he just, he made it work without any formal training other than what he wanted to do. And so, you know, I'd say that's where it comes from. I feel is that, you know, to see him decide, well, this is what I want to do. And here's what I want to be interested in to self-educate my parents. Even though I never went to college, my parents were always very big on educating yourself. Mm -hmm. So I will take a subject. And when I get into it, I drive people around me nuts, especially my wife. Because when I want to learn about something, I will just immerse myself in it for a few months. I'll watch YouTube videos. I'll read books, magazines, read articles, and I'll just saturate. And it, that comes from him mm -hmm. for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't even begin to say how grateful I am to have had this man in my life. You know, I wouldn't That's be who I am today without him. Yeah. And I think like, it's interesting because I'm just like looking around everyone in this room and I feel like, like our father is, is who brought music to, it sounds like, you know, from conversations I've had with Tim and obviously Ike's my brother. So I know yeah. and from you, it sounds like music really was a was a main focus um you know around the around the home mm -hmm. and there was really like a, a passion behind that and, and it's funny because we're all here and we're all like talking about music to this day and how important it is and, and everything like that and i just think that it's it's great to you know to see that like there is a correlation between music and and family and also like just working hard you know and just that's that's what I can say. You know, I respect so much about you guys, you know, is that um, I, I remember when Ike first brought me a, a CD of the music, right? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily my genre. Mm -hmm. um, and I listened to it. But what really sold me was the first time I went to go watch you guys perform. Because that transcend to watch you guys in your element, 
that really touched me like in my heart because I got to see, cause I know you guys as martial artists, right? Mm -hmm. And I see this kind of formal environment we have in the studio. And when I went to go see you guys live, I think it's the dollhouse. Oh yeah, dollhouse. Right? It was yeah. the first time. And uh, man, I was emotional inside because I got to see you in your own element. Uh, there's a great book by a guy named Ke uh, Sir Ken Robinson. He's a, a gentleman uh, that, that puts out information on education for people. And the book, The Element, is talking about when someone has a passion and an aptitude together. Some people are passionate about something, they're not very good at it. Mm -hmm. And then there are people that are good at something, they just don't enjoy it. And then when you have those two things combined together, that's being, that he calls the element. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in going to watch you guys, I enjoyed the music at a whole different level because it wasn't just the music. It was watching you play, you playing drums, him singing and the energy, that whole vibe going off that really that, I mean, pulled me in. And then as I've heard more of your music and especially the stuff you guys have put out lately, um, I really hear a lot more of you guys in the music more than just the music itself. I got so, emotional last awesome. time I saw Thank them you. play because I lost five dollars to Damien. He, <laughs> I bet him he wouldn't jump on the bar, and he did while we played. <laughs> yeah. so I was no. like, "Dang, Tim's gonna be all sentimental right now." Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> no. Well, that was awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. like that, that. We we just love it, you know, and that's what we we love to do. And so, I mean, when we're doing when we're on on stage playing, that's just just passion you know mm -hmm. and, and we just we love music in general and i think that's that's a great point that like you can you have respect for people that put on a live show even mm -hmm. if you don't necessarily like if that's not your specific genre of music mm -hmm. that you listen to or something that you would put on when you're you know driving in on the freeway or something you know i think um there's been a lot of bands you know because of what we do we see music all the time and there's been right. a lot of bands that like I didn't, I wouldn't have listened to this, but I saw them put on an, an amazing show and it just gives that so much more respect for that band. And, and you just, if you see that passion there, mm -hmm. then you're, you're a little bit more invested, invested yeah. in it. And the, yeah. there's the opposite is true as well as like, you know, sometimes you, you have these bands. Luckily I don't have too many of them, but there's some bands that I really liked. And then I see them live and like, they don't even care. Like they really just, they're up there, but they don't want me to seem, name them. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and like I said, luckily I don't have many favorite bands that have let me down like that, but you know, they, they do exist. So it's, yeah, I mean, but, but it does get harder and especially, you know, I, I would imagine for you as you get older, you know what I mean? Like life takes a toll. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying necessarily physically or mentally or spiritually, but it could be any one of those, or it could be all of them. You know what I mean? So as you get older, you fully appreciate, I never look in the past, but I fully appreciate where I came from, mm -hmm. but I have to look forward. I wish I could stay in the moment. I can't, you know what I mean? But I always have to look forward. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that's the same for you and what you do. Like, do you still spar as much as you used to or? No, no. Right now, um, actually with, um, with the school, it's me running it by myself. I mean, mm -hmm. we've had, see, pr right, right before COVID happened, the building I had been in for 25 years and grown as literally a second home and taught thousands of people at the building got sold. And so we had to relocate and was having trouble getting a spot. And uh, we ended up sharing space from a daycare center on a matted area. So just beating you, up kids. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, you know, it, uh, it was, it was rough, yeah. you know, and, uh, and it wasn't, it was not until several months later, we got to move in next door somewhere. So as far as, um, uh, to your question, looking forward, um, Right now, I try to make sure I I'm stay healthy and strong because I, it's just me. I'm a one-man show in the two things mm -hmm. I do. My martial arts school, it's all me. Um, you know, my wife does our billing. She's running our – my wife teaches yoga. She uh, She's doing that online. Her business picked up during COVID. Easy Her online her stuff yeah. grew and mine basically died off. So I'm trying to make sure I keep everything healthy. It's not that I don't want to spar with them and that. It's just making sure that I've got to stay functional for yeah. both because the dog training and the and, and teaching martial arts are both physical things that I have to stay healthy for. I do like to, to work out with them. I do like to spar with them from time to time. But, yeah. you know, at, at coming up on 53, that's also being mindful that your body, you've got to watch out what you're doing with it. Yeah, I got to learn that because... I mean, people know, who listen to the show know I've had three heart surgeries, um, but I feel like if I stop, I'm just going to turn to dust in the old So I, I just, I don't stop. So I wish I could stay in the present, but I, I can't, I can't even open the door to the present. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm just always looking at the future. 
So maybe I'll fight Damien. <laughs> yeah, you've got to find whatever it is for everybody. When it, I get asked all the time about, you know, what, you know, can you get in good shape doing martial arts? The answer, again, is kind of loaded because the answer could be yes and no. Because I've met plenty of martial artists that are horribly horribly yeah. out of shape because they practice a system that doesn't demand much from them cardiovascularly yeah. you know and then you have other things that, that do but you know for whatever floats your boat man as long as you get up and get moving even if it's coming to work you know mm -hmm. if you have something you're passionate about the the uh the number one place in the world for longevity is in okinawa and the people that are there live an active daily life we have more people on the planet that grow to be a hundred and older in okinawa than anywhere else and Part of their lifestyle is what they refer to as ikigai. It's a Japanese word meaning basically like life's purpose. So why get up? Why do I get up today? What am I going to get up and do? They don't have like a word for retirement. So for me, like I don't mm. ever picture retiring. I, no, I want to I want to do what I'm doing until I'm going to ride this thing till the wheels fall off, as they say. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. So I think that you know, <clears throat> as we get older, um, that's the thing that keeps us going. Even if you're not in a formal exercise, if you if you get up and you're active and you interact with other people and, you know retirement is one of the things in my uh, my family uh my mom and dad are both retired for my mom that was a bad thing because my mom's doing nothing now and i've watched her deteriorate um because she doesn't have something to do whereas you know my dad has been more active you know it's my intention to always keep going and be doing something and that's that's what will help give you the quality of life yeah, that's why I'm like, I watched the same thing with my father before he passed. Once he retired, you know, it just slows down once the mm -hmm. grandkids get older. But, you know, I play guitar, I write songs, so I'll always have that. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just always trying to figure out what's, you know what I mean? Like, how do I just stay present for a minute? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even just for a minute, one day. Like, every time Damien and I are talking about something, it's about, okay, this is coming up. What do we got to do this? We got to do this. But that's how I've always been, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, enough about me. Uh, so I, I think it's interesting. I was telling you earlier, like Zoltan from Five Finger, Death Punch, I was at his Black Belt stuff and be able to watch that. I know there's a yeah. bunch of bands, like I think the guys in Avenged Sevenfold, um, a lot of bands, like they, they get into martial arts mm -hmm. now and they do it on the road because, you know, the days of sex, drugs and rock and roll for some people are over. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and it's just about whether it started with P90X doing that on the road or martial arts training, there's always something. Um, it's amazing you know mm -hmm. like that people i think it's good for everyone's mind and soul and body in, in the long run because being on tour being stuck in a bus like it's i know it, it's romanticized but it's really terrible like because what you do is you're living in 60 by 90 and you're just pulling up to a venue you don't get to really see the cities you're in you just pull into the back of an arena you know what i mean so i think without that i think that's why the the drugs would start mm -hmm. back in the day so i think it's very healthy for people Mm. And especially if, if you have, um, if you have something like the great thing about the movement of, you know, jujitsu came around to be more popular after I was already been teaching, et cetera. I probably, I think if, if it would have been where it is today, when I got started in martial arts, I probably would have gone more in initially in that direction. So there are a lot of guys are doing jujitsu because you can roll into a gym just about anywhere and find some place to work out. It's popular. Um, you can do it with a uh, low risk of injury. I mean, injuries happen in any martial arts. But the other thing I, I want to say as far as martial arts, regardless of the style they get into, is that as young men, I have some place to put that energy. Because yeah. if you're used to, you know, being on stage, performing, and then you have the stresses of being on the tour, if you don't have some outlet for that, right? I think martial arts is an outstanding way to kind of like channel whatever that could be, whether it's just, you know, uh, the exercise or aggression or stress or any of those things. If you don't put it into something good it's going to come out as something bad so yeah. i think it's i think it's an outstanding way for for people to live that's fantastic mm -hmm. um this has been fascinating for me someone that does not participate in any kind of martial arts um and just used to fist fight growing up <laughs> <laughs> like a knucklehead um obviously those days are long gone but like you know i i know ike and damon have so much respect for you and and i share in that now Absolutely, just hearing yeah. your story hearing your, your relationship with your father and I can tell you you're you're good at what you do because you had to save every dollar as a kid mm -hmm. and you made those right decisions because you don't get that anymore you know we can't even keep burger kings open now because no one wants to work yeah and right. you, you know what i mean and they all complain about it you know like, well it's because we're priced out of everything well it's not it's it's always comes down to choice and someone like you has made those right choices and it's it's been very inspirational for me today so i really really thank you for your time and, and thank you guys so much for having me to this i'm, I'm honored yeah i know yeah. it means a lot to have you here um 
Would you want to plug the school? Um, yeah, so um, the school is Martial Art Innovations. There's no S on the arts. It's Martial Art Innovations. Um, our website is martialartinnovations.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram and, and Facebook. That's our, our social profile. Um, I recently trying to reboot our podcast, which is a martial art innovations podcast. Um, so he's on my list to ask, uh, to come on. I want to oh, do an alumni definitely episode. Be there. Yeah. yeah that'd be great. So, um, and, uh, uh, that's pretty much most of the contact info that I, uh, if they want to call our number at the school is 626-331-3252. Fantastic. And it's wow. too bad you don't teach basketball there because I school these fools. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of my first career choices oh, yeah. as a kid. Yeah, yeah as a yeah. kid, man, I, I wanted to become a basketball player. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a, it was a mix between a cop, a scientist and a basketball player. So I figured I'd get a science uh, 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 scholarship uh, and play basketball at a university and then become a cop. And, you know, so I was a little kid, you know. Yeah. Who was your basketball guy growing up? So uh, Magic Johnson and okay. Kareem, the two guys in the 80s, those were the dynamic duo of the 80s. I, I played basketball as a kid on teams. I played for about four or five years, and I actually would skyhook. And if yeah. any of you don't know what that yeah. is, oh, yeah. oh, they know. Kareem, they yeah. do it on them all the time. So you know what? Young guys don't do that, no. right? So I, I, learned from, I, got, I got to the point where I could skyhook the ball when I played over all the other kids. Nice. Um, you know those Laker teams, because I grew up in Cleveland, and I was a huge Cavs fan, but we would always go see those Lakers because mm -hmm. it was – those two and Jamal Wilkes and I think Michael AC Cooper. Green was part of that group too. I think yeah, well, Later yeah, on, yeah, around then and um, what's his nuts from North Carolina? Oh, um, worthy big game, James. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was just crazy. You'd see this team, you're like you know, that was the whole team were all stars, and you didn't yeah. see anything like that in the NBA back then. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You'd, you'd go I see Dr. The Lake J show. or something, <laughs> but yeah, but now they're overrated. What? Oh, I, I had to get that. <laughs> no, yeah, opening season tonight. Opening season. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't see you do that. <laughs> that was hilarious if we had video. Yeah. <laughs> Damien the deer in the headlights. But yeah, no, thanks again, Mr. Frack. It was a pleasure. Thank um, you. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it was a great Absolutely. conversation. Thanks. Thanks right, again. Guys. Rock and roll. Good